from 56. On its way, it is off the goalpost. No good. You can hear the doink. One of the most anticipated NFL games in recent memory ends with a doink right off the goalpost for Nick Folk and New England's comeback effort falls short in a 1917 loss to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I was watching the game with a Bears fan and a couple Patriots fans, and it was funny. As soon as the kick missed, my phone starts starts blowing up a little bit, and some of the Patriots fans in the room are saying, oh, that must be what it's like to, to be a Vikings fan or, or, or a Bears fan with the missed field goals. Like, I finally know what it's like. And I just kind of laughed and thought to myself, I looked around, looked at uh, looked at my friend who roots for Chicago, and we were like, no, no, you you don't know what it's like. Like, you, you really don't. You won six Super Bowls in the past 20 years. Enough's enough here. Uh, you, you missed one kick in week four of the, the season. It's no, not comparable. But man, I feel like a lot of us were rooting for that kick to go in because how, how great would it have been? How storybook would it have been for Tom Brady to get the ball back with a minute and a half left and have it be Brady versus Belichick's defense, one final drive, one last chance to win the game, would have been an electrifying ending to an otherwise electric game. The crowd looked absolutely raucous in Gillette last night. What environment that would have been to be in. I think the biggest winners of the night, though, are the New England Patriots. They showed that they can compete with the best of the best in the NFL. And to be able to do that with Mac Jones, a rookie, in only his fourth game, to understand that Mac Jones has the confidence and the swagger to go up against the greatest player in the history of this sport in his building and not bat an eyelash is very encouraging if you're Belichick or if you're a Patriots fan. We were given a lot of reasons to believe that the Patriots can contend for a playoff spot this year, given the performance last night. At one point, Jones had completed 19 passes in a row. I think he tied Tom Brady's Patriots record, and he looked good for most of the game. Other than a couple bad decisions here and there, I think this was the best rookie quarterback performance of the season. Sunday night football against Brady, against the Bucks. Mac Jones looked good. Belichick's defense looked good. They held the Bucks in check for most of the game. And I think that most Patriots fans have to walk away happy. Now, as for everything that came on the side of this game, the Brady-Belichick narrative, Brady returning to New England, I think this has been handled as well as it possibly could have by all parties involved. Think back to Brett Favre when he was with the Packers, his return to Lambeau when he was with the Vikings. And yes, we have to understand that he came back as a Viking. There was a lot of bad blood public bad blood between Brett Favre and the Packer organization, including the fans. Uh, that It's a different scenario with Brady. He's not coming back with the Jets and with a lot of bad press back and forth uh, between him and the Patriots like Favre was with the Packers. This felt more of a celebration to me of Brady and Belichick's time in New England rather than a bitter return or a game with hostile feelings between everyone involved. It's felt more like a celebration. And as for Tampa... Over the past couple of weeks, they're starting to look a little more vulnerable. I believe they had won 10 in a row prior to the Rams. It seems like there's an opening in the NFC, and that could be for a team like the Cardinals, could be for the Rams. A couple of weeks ago, it looked like the Buccaneers were by far and away the best team in this conference. Right now, I'm not so sure that's the case. Uh, nonetheless, they get a good win. Going into Foxborough is always a hard place to play, especially against Belichick, especially on a night like this against a crowd like this. They improved to 3-1. and one. They're tied with Carolina at the top of the NFC South. And Carolina, let's quickly touch on them. Darnold pressure steps in and throws. Intercepted! Diggs has another one. Trayvon Diggs looking for blocking inside the 40. His fourth of the year. He's had one in every game. 
I said last week this was a game for them to really prove it to me and say, okay, we're a contender in the NFC because I think Dallas is a pretty damn good football team. Uh, and they really get beat up pretty good by the Cowboys in Texas yesterday. Granted, we have to remember that this is all taking place without Christian McCaffrey. So when he comes back, that offense, that entire team is a lot different. There's a different feel to them because McCaffrey's one of the best players in the league. But they go into Dallas and Dallas, they look good. I, I have to say they're the best team by far in the NFC East. They're going to win that division without a problem because the Giants, eh. Eagles, they just destroyed them, and, and Washington's just an okay team. This is Dallas's division to lose, and they might wind up being a sneaky Super Bowl contender as the season goes on. If that defense can keep things together, their offense is so potent. Dak looks pretty healthy right now. Elliott's starting to get the ball rolling again. I would not want to face this Dallas team in a playoff matchup. The big NFC game of the week, though, Cardinals at Rams. Wow. Wow. Four wide receivers for the Cardinals on third and six. Murray has a moment here and fires. Catch made inside the five. A.J. Green with a Cardinal touchdown. How many people saw this coming? Arizona beating the brakes off of the Rams 37-20 to in L.A. in SoFi Stadium. Cliff Kingsbury goes on the road, finally gets that win over Sean McVay. There was so many questions about can he beat McVay? Can he beat Pete Carroll? Is he able to take down Kyle Shanahan? Yes. Yes, the answer is yes. Since taking down Green Bay to advance to the NFC Championship game, I don't think there's been a bigger win for Arizona. This showed me and this showed a lot of people that they're for real this season. They should be taken as a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And with Kyler Murray, he's just one of the most exciting players that I've ever seen at the quarterback position. He's not the running threat that Lamar is, but he's a better passer than him. He's more accurate, has a nicer touch on the ball, and it's almost impossible to sack him. Guys can be coming from all angles, but Kyler's just too quick for them. He's able to get out of the pocket and make plays on the run. This Cardinals team should not be taken lightly at all, especially with the way their defense is playing. Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt love what I see out of the Cardinals. Now, from the Rams, we were pretty quick to anoint them the best team in football and Matt Stafford as the early MVP candidate following the first three weeks. And that very well may have been deserved. They had some big wins. Taking down Tampa Bay is always impressive. But one thing we need to remember, especially when it comes to Matthew Stafford, is that he's never been here before. Stafford's never had this kind of expectations. He's never had this team around him. Matt Stafford has been to the playoffs three times in his career. 2011, 2014, 2016. So first, it's been five years since he's been in a playoff game. And second, of those three games, none of them were at home. Matt Stafford has never won a division title. He's always been the road wildcard team. He's never been a very successful NFL player. And to be fair, he was in Detroit the whole time. He didn't have much around him other than Calvin Johnson. And then at the end of his time there, he had Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. There just wasn't much from a defensive standpoint. There weren't many great Detroit teams for Stafford to work with. However, the point being that this is new to him. This kind of expected success, this pressure, it's different in LA than it is Detroit. The media coverage in LA is far more scrutinizing, it's far more pressurized, it's far more public than it is in Detroit. Now, I'm not saying that Matt Stafford can't handle the pressure, because I think he's got a lot of swagger. Everyone knows the talent, the arm talent that he has. But I'm just saying it might take a little getting used to. It might be something that he needs to grow accustomed to, is this pressure, this expectation to win. I'm not saying that's the reason that they lost to the Cardinals, but moving forward this season, 
We need to remember that Matt Stafford's in a new system, in a new building with new expectations. And we'll see how that affects him. He should be fine. Guy played at Georgia in the SEC. He's played in some big games in his life. But still a learning curve. No doubt in my mind that the Rams compete for the Super Bowl this season. No doubt that they're one of the best teams in the NFC West. Just maybe we were a little quick to say, all right, they're the best team in football. Because what Arizona did to them yesterday, it wasn't close. And it wasn't pretty at all. Wilson under immediate pressure. Somehow gets away. Throws end zone. It is caught. Touchdown, Freddie Swain. A little razzle-dazzle from Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. All right, let's keep things within the NFC West. Seahawks go into San Francisco, and they take down the 49ers 28-21. Jimmy Garoppolo hurts his calf in the game. That could be a big injury. That could be a very impactful injury in the NFC. Moving forward, if that winds up lingering, Jimmy G, from what it sounds like, thinks he might be out a couple weeks. He said he may have been stepped on during the game. His calf may have been stepped on. And if Garoppolo's out, look, Lance came in and, and he settled down nicely. He got off to a rocky start. But once he got into a groove, looked pretty good. However, I'm pretty confident saying that as long as Trey Lance is the quarterback for the 49ers this season, they're not much of a threat to me. I don't even know if I'd call them a playoff threat. Could be a little harsh. Could be a little harsh. But I, I don't think that he's ready. I don't think any of these rookie quarterbacks are ready, except maybe Mac Jones to guide a playoff push. So we'll have to see what happens with Jimmy GQ. It's one of my favorite nicknames in football. Jimmy GQ is absolutely ridiculous. But until he comes back, could be a little bit of a scary situation in San Francisco. Their schedule over the next few weeks, I'm taking a look at it right now. They've got the Cardinals next week. Obviously, that'll be a tough game. Then luckily for them, they have a bye. So hopefully Jimmy's back for the Colts 49ers. Otherwise, maybe we see a little bit of a losing streak start to form here for the 49ers. And obviously, you don't want to be down two and four to start your season. So a well-placed bye week for them if Garoppolo winds up missing some time here. Now, on the other side of the ball, Seattle, they're not what they used to be. And I'm not talking about back in the heyday with the Legion of Boom. I'm saying even a couple of years ago, this Seattle team is going to struggle to make the playoffs. Russell Wilson is the only reason that they're going to contend for the playoff spot. It's just not the same feeling. Look, Last week, Minnesota pushed them around. And when the Vikings push you around, especially with the breaks and the way they've been playing this season, not a great sign. Obviously, this is a huge win for the Seahawks to get back on track. They had lost a few in a row before this. I just don't see them as a big threat in the NFC this year. Kind of just hopping around NFL games here on a Monday afternoon. Let's head down to New Orleans, the Bayoum. Let's take a look at Giants and Saints. First and goal from the New Orleans Six as Barkley takes it. Giants win in overtime. So the Giants get their first win of the season. Daniel Jones, an impressive stat line, 28 for 40, 402 yards and two touchdowns, along with an interception. But hey, we can forget about that. Look, the Giants aren't going anywhere this season. The Cowboys are the best team in the East by far, in my mind, as I said before. But maybe it's not time to blow everything up. Giants have had a couple bad breaks this year. Atlanta, they should have won that game. They should have beaten Washington. This is a team that very easily could be sitting at 3-1 and one to start the season. And for the past few weeks, Daniel Jones has been playing at a pretty high level. Go back and watch the tape from the Falcons game, even though they lost that. When I watched that, I was expecting to see the Giants offense completely faltering time and time again. But that wasn't the case. They just make mistakes at inopportune times. That's what's been flagging the Giants this entire season. Think about Washington. They jump off sides on a missed field goal that, that gives the football team another chance to win the game. And they do against the Falcons. 
couple untimely turnovers. They commit DPI in the end zone at the end of the game. A bad sack on their potential game-winning drive. This Giants team has talent. Their offense is loaded with weapons. Barkley's there. Galladay's there. Shepard. Tony. I mean, there's a lot of people to like in the Giant organization right now. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And finally, it was nice to see them get a win, especially against the Saints team. That, As everyone knows, uh, you know, I, I hope eternal misery for the Saints since back in 2009. But look, let's not freak out if we're Giants fans and, and want to blow everything up because there are some ingredients here to, to being successful. And getting that first win, getting over the hump here could be a big deal. Jones is looking good. Let's let him keep playing this out. See, maybe if we could rattle off a couple wins. I think the Giants, I believe the Giants schedule is difficult moving forward. Yeah, they've got Dallas, Rams, Panthers, Chiefs, Raiders, Boxy. That's that's a lot of tough opponents in a quick span, but one week at a time, next weekend, if they go into Dallas and get a win, all of a sudden the entire narrative for the season changes. Despite the schedule that I just said, if they take down Dallas, they're sitting at two and three. Dallas will be three and two, only a game back with the tiebreaker for the time being. And Giants fans are going to start to believe again. I, I don't see them making a playoff run, especially given the schedule that I just said. But a win next week can change a lot of opinions. And then you take it one game at a time. We'll see if the Panthers are as good as we think. We'll see if the Raiders are as good as we think. There could be a few wins scattered there that we don't expect right now. It's a long season. That's what, that's what people always forget is it's a long football season. The best team in the league week one could be very different from the best team in the league week 10. There's a lot of movement that happens over the course of a season. Injuries happen. uh, Teams get hot. Teams get cold. So for Giants fans, look, me and you guys have had our our own issues, especially over the past few weeks. But don't give up on the season yet. It's unlikely, but don't give up. Next weekend, if you lose, ah, you're done. But if you win next weekend, well, let's see what happens. New Orleans now, I don't even know what's going on there. What a weird team. You destroy Green Bay, then you get killed by Carolina. You take down the Patriots on the road pretty easily, and then you lose to the Giants. Who, who are the Saints? Who are they this year? Can they contend for a Super Bowl? No. Okay, they, they're not contending for a Super Bowl this season. Are they a wild card team? I think so. But when you can't beat the Giants at home, that raises some questions. And maybe this is just the Jameis Winston effect. The Saints are playing right now kind of like Jameis has throughout his career. Either really, really good... You could beat anyone. You could throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns in a game. Or you're playing really bad football. (laughs) And you're throwing three interceptions and 50 yards. So the Saints right now, they got to get back on track next week against Washington. That's a big game for both teams there. The winner of that game moves to three and two. But in New Orleans right now, a lot of questions. And there just aren't many answers. Bad loss for the Saints. Not good to lose at home to the Giants, especially in your first game back in New Orleans. A game you probably want to win for your fans, especially. So not good down in the Bayou yesterday. 49 yards for the tie. On its way, and he missed it! So Zach Wilson does it. He gets his first win, 27-24 over the Titans. In Tennessee, wow, not a good loss for the Titans at 2-2 two and two right now. They're very lucky that their division's bad. I'll say that. Because you could easily be looking at a 1-3 and three football team right here if the Seahawks had been able to hold on to that game in Week 2. Very fortunate that the Colts are struggling this season. Very fortunate that Houston and Jacksonville are terrible. We will have to see, though, with Indianapolis because that's a team that could get the ball rolling. They could become a little bit of a threat in the AFC South. But right now, Tennessee, bad loss. Eh, but a pretty bad division. So 
they're okay, but this is one you need to have if you're them. I want to talk about Zach Wilson, though. The rookie played really well, especially in the second half, late in the game against Tennessee, able to lead some scoring drives in overtime. He takes them down to the one-yard line. There are still mistakes, though, on their overtime drive. They're at the one-yard line, third and goal. Uh, when Wilson rolled out to his right, he took a sack for about a four- or five-yard loss. That's a situation where if, if you're Zach Wilson, throw the ball away, fourth and one. Robert Sala already said they would have gone for it, and you probably get a touchdown. You probably win the game from fourth and one, but that's part of learning. And that's why it's, I think it was great that we didn't overreact too much to the what the seven interceptions the past two weeks that Wilson's had. I've said a million times, so many fans want instant gratification from their rookie quarterbacks, and they're quick to give up on them. What happened to having three years? Christian Ponder had three, four years in Minnesota, and he always used to be, okay, if they're not good this third year, then you move on. Now it seems that if you're not good by week four or week five, fans are ready to throw you to the curb. But I was finally happy to see with Zach Wilson, that wasn't the case. Jets fans kind of just took it in stride. Maybe maybe it's because they've been miserable for so long that they just, you know, are numb to it. But Zach Wilson was given a little time, and this was a good game for him. This was a very important game early in his career to get some confidence moving forward. And the Jets' schedule, I'm not saying they're going to contend for a playoff spot, but at Atlanta, at New England, hosting Cincinnati, at the Colts, those are four very winnable games. After that, you have Buffalo, and you probably lose that. But then the Dolphins, the Texans, the Eagles, there's a lot of wins on this schedule for the Jets. This, again, I'm still looking at Dolphins, Jaguars. Like This is a team that could wind up winning seven or eight games. They're not going to be a two or three win team. Okay, they're, they're more talented than that. They've had a couple of bad weeks in a row, but this isn't a terrible football team. And as Zach Wilson's play continues to improve, I think that'll become quite apparent to a lot of people. A lot of potential wins here on the Jets' schedule. Still, a lot of learning to go for a rookie head coach or rookie quarterback, but you got to be impressed. Wilson gets the ball out quick. It seems like his teammates like playing with him, and the fans are buying into it. The fans were pumped up yesterday at MetLife, and I would be too. It's an exciting time. He's, he's a good player. So big win for the Jets, big win for Robert Sala, and an even bigger win for Zach Wilson. Maybe this is the first time in five, six years that Jets fans can genuinely be excited. Uh, about their football team. So good for them. Here's a handoff to Montgomery. Breaks it inside. Still on his feet. Pushing the pile. Touchdown, Chicago! Justin Fields looks a little bit better in this one. Chicago 24, Detroit 14. Tough season for the Lions. Continues. Uh, they just can't seem to really ever catch a break. 0-4, bottom of the NFC North. Not being killed in these games other than Green Bay, but still struggling to find victories. Um, the story of the day, though, is that Justin Fields played a little bit better. It's always a different story when you don't have Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett coming after you. I know that, look, Bears fans are going to say, but the offensive line still stinks, and that's true. But opponent does matter, and having Cleveland as the first matchup for Fields was not favorable for him. Uh, it wasn't going to go well, especially on the road, in the dog pound. That was a recipe for disaster. This is a much better environment for him at home against, you know, not, not very good Lions team. He's able to come away with the win. We had mentioned on the Paul Farrington show radio show, uh, and I'm not on it, but the guys who were, who were there, they had said if Matt Nagy lost this game, he would have been fired. I might be willing to agree with that. Uh, it, if this was, this would have been a bad, bad loss for the Bears. But Matt Nagy holds on to his job for a little while longer, at least. I don't think we see him back next year. 
it's going to be a tough season for Chicago. The problem being that offensive line combined with the rookie quarterback, I'm just not digging it. But winning cures everything. So a couple wins, then maybe maybe Matt Nagy's able to hold on a little bit longer. It's just the NFC North this season. I've talked about it several times on this show. Brutal schedule. Brutal schedule. You get the NFC West and the AFC West, the two best divisions in football. That's a lot to ask for a rookie quarterback. One of my big questions, though, with the Bears this season is where is Allen Robinson? Where has he been? He's playing under the franchise tag this season. It was a big deal when Chicago used the tag on him and that they weren't able to further extend his contract. But Allen Robinson was supposed to be someone who would be huge for the rookie quarterback. He's one of the most talented receivers in football, got a great set of hands, excellent route runner. But where has he been? His statistics, his presence in games is just not felt at all this season. If you take a look, Brandon Parker, Allen Robinson's agent, he actually called out the Bears after the win, said, glad to see the team win, but three total targets? And I agree with him. What's going on? Like, use this guy. Justin Fields, he is your security blanket. If you just throw the ball up to Allen Robinson when you're in trouble, there's a decent chance that he comes down with it. All three of those targets, by the way, were caught. Three catches, 63 yards, average 21 yards of reception. Some things need to be figured out in Chicago, especially on the offensive side of the ball for me. So, Justin, use Allen. I'm telling you, you'll like the results. Kareem Hunt, Chanovitz the block, and he torpedoes in for the touchdown. All right, I guess we had to touch on the Viking game. Uh, Vikings lose 14-7 to the Browns. What a bizarre football score. You see 14-7, that was a bad game. That's just a bad game. And I was texting with a couple Browns fans during the game, and the overwhelming opinion was, yeah, this this seems like Vikings-Browns here. Uh, I mean, something had to give. Both teams are so good at losing that someone had to give in. Uh, am I surprised it was the Vikings? No. Am I surprised they didn't score a touchdown at the end and miss an extra point? Yes. Yes, that would have been my guess, uh, was Cleveland gives up the touchdown in some miraculous way. And then the Vikings miraculously miss a field goal. We wouldn't hit, hit a crossbar. That's one thing I want to make clear. As I was saying, after the Patriots game, a lot of Pats fans were telling me they know how it feels. I said, no, no, uh, we're not that close. We're not normally that close on our kick. We, we, we Give us another 10 yards to the left, and, and now we're talking. But nonetheless, bad loss for the Vikings, especially after scoring on the first drive. Their offense is absolutely mind-boggling to me. Sometimes they look unstoppable, and at other times... They look totally inept. One of the problems this game is Dalvin Cook's injury. Going forward in the season, that's going to be something to monitor because he missed a lot of the second half. And during that time, Vikings go three and out, three and out, three and out, interception. And when he finally did come back in the game, that's when they had a little bit of a jump start and threatened to tie at the end. But Dalvin Cook, when he's out, this Vikings team loses a lot. I know it's obvious to say that losing one of the best players in the league is going to hurt your offense, but he's vital to this Viking offense in ways that many players might not be to their team. Am I at the point now with Minnesota where I think it's time to blow everything up? Not yet, but I'm pretty freaking close. It's the same season over and over again. It feels like the exact same team. I love Mike Zimmer. He's a great guy. He's a very good coach. But at what point do you say things need to change? And that's a hard decision to make, but it's one that seems like it's becoming more and more likely as this season progresses with the Vikings. They're just unable to win close games. It's a tough schedule, as I said, in the NFC North. If you're looking at a six-win team, odds are Mike Zimmer's not back next season, and we'll see what happens with Kirk Cousins. But not good in Minnesota right now. Cleveland, on the other hand, Baker Mayfield did not play well. 
a lot of overthrows, a lot of bad reads. This was not a game to write home about Baker Mayfield. But look, you get the win. And that's what's important in football. Win. I talked about a lot in college prior to this Notre Dame game. People were upset about Notre Dame, but as long as you're winning, it's okay. Winning cures everything. Look, there are things that the Browns need to fix, but if Baker's able to play the way he did on Sunday in Minnesota in a tough environment against a football team that's not great, but certainly not bad, and you're still able to pull away with the victory, that's good for Cleveland. Okay, things need to be fixed, but that's a good sign. And let me say this about the Browns. When Nick Chubb is playing, I was terrified of that offense. I was much more afraid of Cleveland with Chubb in the game than Kareem Hunt. He is an absolute monster with the ball in his hands. Hunt's a nice compliment, but I want to see more Nick Chubb. (laughs) If I'm a Browns fan, give him the ball more. What was so impressive about what they did is at the end of the game, they're able to just really maul you with that impressive offensive line. And then with the Chubb-Hunt combo, they milked the clock. I think they've been holding the ball for about 10 minutes in the fourth quarter of games this year. And that's their formula for taking down Kansas City. They decided, while Buffalo has the approach of let's try and match them point for point, the Browns had the opposite approach. They say, we're going to try and run the clock down. We're going to try and hold on to the ball, take long possessions, end in touchdowns, and that's our formula. It almost worked in week one. The problem is when Baker's off, like he was against the Vikings, all of a sudden those two or three throws that you need to make during the game, if if your style is ground and pound, if they don't happen, you're going to lose, at least when you're playing a top-tier opponent. So Cleveland, you can be happy with the win, but uh, definitely some things to clean up for Baker. Here's Rodgers looking for Adams. And someone else instead. Who else but Randall Cobb, who's off to a great start and has the touchdown. Aaron Rodgers, he is, as Stephen A. Smith would say, a bad man. Packers looking pretty good the past few weeks. 27-17 victory over the Steelers. Steelers, you're done. Look, I got a graduation present that was a $40 Steelers ticket to win the Super Bowl, so I would love to see Pittsburgh contend this year. Uh, They're done. Ben doesn't have anything left in the tank. Defense isn't what we quite thought it would be. Pittsburgh, it's over. Time to start thinking about the future. Does Mike Tomlin stay around? I'd imagine he does, yes. Uh, But Ben... We got to start thinking about plan B here if we're Pittsburgh, especially with that division, especially with the AFC opponents that they have to face. It's going to be a long season for Steelers fans, something they're not used to. Now, the Packers, on the other hand, they're going to be just fine. Rodgers looks great. Obviously, that week one loss to New Orleans was just an anomaly. I bet if New Orleans and Green Bay played 10 times, Green Bay would win seven or eight of them. It just so happened that Jameis caught them on a bad day. But Aaron Rodgers... Everyone's been getting on him saying he doesn't care. Watch the games. And let me know then if you think Aaron Rodgers cares. Guys run down the sideline throwing fist bumps. He's going crazy with the fans. Aaron Rodgers wants to win. Let's not confuse that. And if Aaron Rodgers is invested, I'm buying the Packers. I'm buying them to be possibly the one seed in the NFC. Again. (laughs) So go watch the footage. Go watch the games. Look at Aaron Rodgers' body language. Look at the way he's throwing the football right now. And tell me the Packers aren't one of the best teams in their conference. Tell me they're not one of the most threatening teams in their conference. You can't. If their defense can keep things together, I know that their secondary can sometimes be a little shaky, but if they're able to hold it together, Packers are going to be just fine. Packers are going to contend for a Super Bowl as always, and Rodgers looks great. I hope he's gone next year. I would love to see him gone, but right now he's playing really good football, and so are the Packers. Jackson has time. Now he's taking a deep shot. Brown! 
All right, last game we're going to talk about, Ravens at Broncos. Broncos were in a similar position to Carolina, in my opinion. We were going to figure out whether or not they were a legitimate threat. And again, similar to Carolina, injuries are kind of blocking that analysis of them right now because Bridgewater goes down at the end of the first half. Yes, they were down 17-7 at the time, but once Drew Locke came in, that offense was completely stagnant. They couldn't move the ball at all. Zero points in the second half for Denver. And it it looks kind of clear that Bridgewater was by far the best choice for Denver heading into this season. But Baltimore, wow. I've said multiple times, this is a very good team. This is a big-time contender in the AFC, despite all the injuries that they have to running back with Marcus Peters out. What I love about this team is the trust within the organization between John Harbaugh to Lamar Jackson or the trust in Justin Tucker to hit field goals. There are a lot of big-time players on this team, guys who can get the job done when they need to. If it's fourth and one, fourth and two, give the ball to Lamar Jackson. He's going to get the first down. You need a 60-yard field goal. You need a 66-yard field goal. Justin Tucker's going to hit it. Baltimore finds ways to win. There aren't many quarterbacks that I'd take over Lamar Jackson right now if I need to win a game. He's got that confidence. He's got that ability to just take over and dominate a game like very few people in the NFL are able to do. We see that in the NBA a lot, how one or two players can lead a team to a championship. They could carry pretty much the entire roster. That's not the case in the NFL, and it's not the case with the Ravens, but Lamar can come pretty dang close to being that guy. Against Kansas City, he totally put the team on his back, and it's his ability to run that's the difference here. He can do it with his legs, he can do it with his arm, but it's just that he's so good at running. He's the best running quarterback ever. It's him or Vic. For Baltimore, this is a great win. A great win to go into Denver, take down a good Broncos team. For Denver, they got to get healthy first. Teddy's got to come back. He has a concussion right now. Jerry Judy's out. KJ Hamler's out. Bradley Chubb is out. A lot of injuries. I believe Patrick Sertain also got hurt. Once they get healthy again, we can reevaluate and see exactly who these Broncos are going to be. But they're still 3-1 and one right now. They're still 3-1. and one. They got some big games coming up. Steelers, Raiders, Browns. Those are all teams that if they want to compete for a wild card spot, they're going to need to get these wins. Obviously, I said that I don't think the Steelers are going to be in contention too much this season, but, but a win for Pittsburgh, and yeah, maybe they're back in the picture. So Denver, you have your opportunity to take down the teams that you need to beat to get to the playoffs, and this Ravens game was one of them. I don't want to overreact too much because there are so many injuries in Denver that we don't really know who they are uh, when they're missing nine or ten starters. All right. So that'll do it for this week's recap of the NFL. I think I missed a couple games here or there, but was able to touch on a lot of the big ones. Monday Night Football, we got the Chargers and the Raiders. And hey, the winner of this one, to me, is in a really good position. I love the AFC West this year. I think all these teams are playoff worthy, save maybe Denver. Um, But this should be a good one tonight. Herbert versus Carr. I need a big fantasy day from Darren Waller. So uh, if you listen to this before that, just know... Darren Waller is going nuts. I'm probably having a pretty good night, and you could give me a call. (laughs) If not, well, that's football. Thanks for listening, though. Tune in later in the week to the Paul Farrington Show. See you then.